Yes, sir. Welcome back to another Chopper Dive podcast. I am your host, Molly Maul, man. Welcome in. Uh, Dre and AJ's on the way. Uh, but while we are waiting for them, let's get the administrative items out of the way. Um, if you are new to the podcast on the YouTube side, man, um, we appreciate you checking that. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button uh, if you are new. Uh, on the audio side, man, we definitely appreciate the ratings and reviews. We're getting them. Um, and, and we definitely appreciate you taking that time out to uh, do that for us. We did have a rating and a review come in this week that I am appreciative of, man. Shout out to, where is it at? <laughs> this is a funny name. E E E the 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 G. I don't know how to say it. Easily my favorite pod, five stars. These dudes always crack me up, whether they're talking about Washington or other NFL teams. They really know ball to help me get through the pain of being a commander's fan. Shout out to you, bruh. Um, it is painful. And and, and every single time I, I never forget. Um, I don't know who said it last week, but I get it all the time. Um, they be like, bruh, like. Like I feel for you, bro. Like, why are you doing this? Why you why why are you doing this for us? Like, I don't I don't know why you're doing it, but I appreciate you because because Lord knows if it was me, I I throw in the towel already. So, um, look, that's what we're here for. That's what we do it for. Uh, and 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 from my personal side, that's that's what I do the the, the film sessions and that the extra the extra stuff for. So, if you haven't taken a look yet, uh, I did a breakdown on the Commanders' offense versus Philly. Uh, I think it what's today Thursday, so it came out yesterday. Early yesterday, uh, so you can take a look at that one. Uh, and yeah, we're good. So we got AJ. I mean, AJ's on the way, Dre's in the background. We're gonna go ahead get him up background backstage. Monty, what's going on with your player? Dre, how you feeling, big dog? It's good, man. I'm still trying to process everything that happened this week, man. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I'm good. Yeah, it's, <laughs> a, it's, a, it's a unique, it's crazy. Like, you don't see too many unique situations for Washington, let alone like unique situations where. Like, while it seems like it's a negative, it's a positive in the long run. It's unfortunate because it's probably some people from a fan base standpoint, you're like, I would have really loved to see these people, like, have a, a full career in Washington. But uh, when when things don't work out, bro, got to go ahead and, and, and keep it pushing, man. Monty, I see you. Out too. Still here 20 years of watching, <laughs> watching this dog shit. Love the game, Damn. man. Yes, Al too must yeah. be a little young, man. <laughs> hey, yeah. Well, wait, hold on. He said 20 years of watching this. Yeah, that's what I said. I'm thinking, like, damn, I got about 35 years of watching this shit. So man, Dre, you act like well, you know, I do call you the old hey. I call you. Hey, I am, am I am OG. You know Technically, saying? I started I started like cognit cognizantly watching these guys like around 04. 
like that first Gibbs year. Like that's when I really remember. It is crazy because I'll never forget when they hired Gibbs, bro. I was I was in I was still I was still in elementary school at Kingsford Elementary, bro. And they had the Damn. TV on talking about like the day he announced the hire, and like I don't even like again, like I wasn't like fully I was watching games at that point, but like I, I was my own kid, like I would watch NFL. Um, I was a fan of Washington, but also on Sundays, I would be outside playing football. So, like, when I got when I got that news, I was like, hey, bro, I was geeked up. I just knew I, I thought about Super Bowl. Like, we're going back to the Super Bowl, bro. That's all I knew. So, like, oh, <laughs> four. I'm about 20 years with Al, too, bro. I'm about 20 years watching this. Hey, um, I mean, I know my first memory started the 91 Super Bowl year. Like, 91. that's my – I was I was at elementary school. Damn. I'm a kid. Really young. That was my first memories watching the 91 – well, Jay was in sixth grade in 91, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, look at Magic, man. Jay like 45, bro. I'm trying nah, to tell him, man. Magic's still uh, pissed with me, man, so he going to keep talking shit. <laughs> hey, Ben's tapping in. Let the be- rebuild begin. January 8th can't get here soon enough. He said, I'm happy with two plus, <laughs> two plus three. Um. He's British. Ooh. Oh, okay. Okay. That's what's up, bro. He said 05. So, yeah, I, I got in here 04, 05, like, watching him, like, on a weekly basis. Um, Okay. I respect it. Um, damn, that's what's up, Al, too. Yeah, yeah, that's all right right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So, um, Dre, we got some things to talk about before we even get to the Patriots, bro. Um, Washington, obviously, as we know, we, we got on here on Tuesday, so we were able to discuss the trades. Um, we were able to give our like overall or overarching themes behind them. We understand the nature of the trades. Um, and then we heard Ron talk on Wednesday. No, what's today? Thursday. So he talked yesterday because the coordinators talked today. Um, and then we heard Ron talk on Wednesday. And uh, you never really got a straightforward answer as to why they did it. Like we assume why, right? You know, he mentioned um, bringing up uh eugene that's the guy that y'all talked about on tuesday where you know i i had i mean i knew analytics but it's like well what exactly do you do i I know i just heard about football operations but ron shed some light into that and football operations includes trade scenarios and value and 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 why it would make sense and things like that so i'm sure uh eugene was involved uh that is his first name right i'm not i'm not messing that up yeah yeah okay eugene shin yep yeah, all right, cool. So Eugene was involved. Um, Ron suggested that you know they brought the he brought he was he was the a part of the group that brought the brought the plan to Josh Harris. Um <laughs> I don't know if it's true or not, but he, he suggested he alluded or or inferred that he brought the plan to Josh Harris and Harris is on board. Um I'm not gonna sit here and say he's lying when I, I have no idea, but you know, that's what he says. Um and you know the the theme of his press conference was surrounded by the idea of developing Sam Howe. Um, I don't know if everybody was able to see the press conference or or read the quotes that came out of the press conference. Um, Dre, I'm gonna hand you the floor uh, with that because um, I, I have something that really kind of gets to me is listening not just to how Ron said it. But literally comparing how Ron's how Ron spoke of Sam Howe in an attempt to essentially deflect the the Ron and I mean the, the Montez and, and Chase situation 
compared to how Eric Bieniemy today spoke of Sam Howell. I really thought that that was interesting, but I guess we can kind of start with Ron and then trickle into today with Bieniemy and even Jack Del Rio because with Jack Del Rio, some of which some of what he said today was important as well. Not about Chase and Montez, but about the people who are going to be behind him or stepping up to the plate. So what was your thoughts on kind of how Ron maneuvered his pressure yesterday? I mean, Ron is actually in his own little way getting good at this as far as like, I mean, he he knows how to give you riddles. Like the whole Sam Howell thing is hilarious because the whole press conference pretty much was asking about Montez Sweat and Chase Young. And it's like he keeps pulling out this get out of jail free card with Sam Howe. It's like, oh, yeah, but Sam Howe, you know, Sam Howe, you know, and it's hilarious listening to it because I think he's realizing, you know, he sees the writing on the wall. I think he thinks Sam Howe is his last claim to glory. Like, oh, we found the guy. Even if I'm not here, they got the guy and the guy is because of me. And I also think he's doing the talking in the sense more so to convince the team, keep him, because if you keep him and you look good with him, I'm still going to have that glory and I'm going to have a claim to some kind of fame with that. So, you know, it's just funny to see how he uses Sam Howell in situations that doesn't call for Sam Howell's name to be called. But other than that, I thought Ron, to be honest with you, I mean, I know you said you didn't want to say it, but I'll just say, I thought Ron was lying. I mean, if you ever watch (laughs) (laughs) it, you you sit there and watch a guy talk, you know, body language and certain little stuttering they do when they lie. Like every time they ask, especially about Chase, he gets to stutter. You know, he's like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We're we're all aligned. I brought this plan up to them, you know. Uh, No, why do we believe that Ron Rivera brought this up? If Josh Harris wasn't here, Ron Rivera would have no incentive to trade away anybody at the deadline that he thought was going to help him win, you know, or give his little push for nine or 10 wins, whatever he's looking for. He's not trading away. If anything, they may talk about being a buyer at the deadline, but they're not going to be sellers at the deadline. So, no, I don't believe that Ron brought this plan to Josh Harris and, you know, everybody's aligned. I still hold on to my theory that Josh Harris and his group, they're like, hey, Ron, this is what we're doing. And you're going to have to follow through with this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you want an amicable split at the end of this season, you're going to kind of have to fall in line with what we're giving you and what we want you to do. So I just thought this presser with just a whole lot of Ron doing Ron things. He's saying those Ron things. He's maneuvering. He's lying. You know, and he's saying anything that he can to kind of make himself look good at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, it's not unfamiliar territory with him. Um, I, I think we kind of knew that. And, and I even thought about like how I was going to ask that question, because honestly, um, we all know and even all of us who are in here, who, who rock with us on the daily and in our, our podcast, like we we don't run ass every single week. bro. just it, it is what it is, bro. Like we, we are. And like I was like, do we even have to go through this? But it's it's important because when you look at uh, first off. The, the fact that, you know, Chase isn't here anymore. Like, the elephant in, his, in the room is, like, what happened? Like, what happened from – and obviously we're not going to get that answer in a press conference, but you know what I'm saying? Like, he was the guy that you drafted. We want to talk about when we ask these questions. We don't want to talk about Sam. We want to talk about these guys. Obviously, it's important to note when he was – talking at the time his presser he was limited on what he could say because the trade wasn't official yet i get that 
Um, so I guess it was kind of different. But I, I think the whole conversation when you talk about the fact that your defensive line was underwhelming, the fact that before you said, I mean, before um, you all traded him and traded either one of them, uh, you would acknowledge that the defensive line had been under, underwhelming to the media. Like We would like for you to acknowledge or like address the specific questions of um, if it uh, – uh, where is the ones that I had them right in? Oh yeah, on the lack of consistency with your first four round defensive lineman. Like we want you to address that directly. We don't want you to kind of spin Sam into it, right? Like that's that's kind of the nature of the question. And like you had an opportunity to be honest when it, when honesty was was called for. Like, and and that's kind of where I think when when things add up for a person, that's those are the things that add up for from a fan base. I don't know how Josh Harris is viewing this and and viewing his pressers. Um, I, I don't think he probably gets into the, the weeds of details in which like we're paying attention to it, like from, from our perspective. Uh, his perspective could be completely different in terms of like this is what I want for our future, this is what I want to build towards. Um, so I think that's important to note as well, like the, the differences and how we view it as a fan base and from an outsider's viewpoint, from maybe how Josh Harris is viewing this. Sure, he probably has his issues with Ron, maybe. Um, but from a professional sense and, and understanding like a bigger picture, he's probably not necessarily down at like the the ground level in which we're we're viewing things um but that's but that's also kind of uh what i want to tra uh, transition to is it's like when you look at these guys right um what also are you trying to kind of like is there a an objective like was there a point is there a point that they're going to try and prove moving forward like i'm this is me just asking like is there a point that they're trying to move forward? Like I, I've seen people since it's happened, um, like big up Casey Tuhill, right? Um, also big up like the the stats that the defense had when when Chase Young wasn't around, like or or no, I'm sorry, let me kind of reverse that. I've seen them big up the stats of the defense when Casey Tuhill and James Smith Williams played significant time. So that could have been when Montez was out as well, or when Chase is out, or when both is out. But um. Like, is there a, another point that they're trying to prove with these moves as well? Because um, I'm in this sense where, like, the, the, the information I've been hearing since since Chase and Montez have been gone, I, I think the bigger overall thing is the value, getting a, getting some return on your investment. But also, like, I don't think that this, this is going to, like, drastically improve the defense. Like, I don't think that – um I think people may be buying into Two Hill because he has four sacks, right? But um that – that's not like a person who has exploded on the scene from a from a he's unstoppable as, as a pass rusher. Like he had a couple chase downs. He was in a position where he needed to be, and he got some sacks. I'm not I'm not disparaging or discrediting him. I'm I'm just saying like this is new for him. James Smith Williams and Casey Tuhill, they have a career seven or eight combined sacks, and they've both been in the league for four years. Like, I I I think the discipline part probably is more effective like and more visible in the run game but you still may have some of the same issues as a pass as a pass rush unit so i'm kind of interested in seeing like do you think that they even are are trying to prove something additional into the fact of like uh, or on top of the fact that they traded these guys but you know what's funny Ma? i actually think that he's gonna probably well jack del rio that is 
I think we might see a bit of a dif- different defense. I don't know how much more effective it's going to be, but I guarantee you he won't rely on that front four solely to get pressure on the quarterback anymore. I guarantee you you're going to see a lot more blitzes now from Jack Del Rio. And I th- I don't know if he just wanted to have those guys or he wanted to say, hey, I want those guys to go out there and get the quarterback because they can do it. But after a while, you're seeing, hey, they need help. They're not always winning these matchups. Maybe you should call something else, disguise a little bit more looks, whatever the case may be. But I do think we'll probably start to see some more of that creative stuff. But to the point of, I think it was one of the comments I was, oh yeah, they were in the comments, you know, I see a lot of people talking about the DL and how Ron has handled them. But here's the issue, though. Like, yeah, Ron has been talking about these guys. He's been giving them these subliminal messages over the last couple of years. But don't it kind of seem like he was a little scared of these dudes? Like, in 2021, Chase Young, he's having his issues. Well, like, you're saying, like, passive. Like, his, like he has a passive approach to... to that's yeah, like. and I, I, I'm thinking because maybe Chase a warm rookie of the year or whatever the case may be. Chase is kind of the face of the franchise. Chase is also a guy where if you go out and do something disciplinary to him, that opens up a whole can of worms, you know, as far as the media is going to be like, oh, look, you know, there's friction here. But if you're sitting up here saying this guy wasn't playing within the scheme, he's having all kinds of issues. I've never heard of them benching Chase Young for a game or a half or anything. Like, how about have some accountability for the guy that you keep talking about? Because if you keep telling yeah. me he spent four years of being, you know, undisciplined here, playing out of the scheme and everything, that's four years you sat there and let the guy do it. <laughs> like, you never once benched him. You never once put him in his place or anything. The only thing you did was, uh, you know, come out here, sneak diss him in press conferences and give everybody breadcrumbs that, you know, this is what I'm alluding to. But, again, that was more of a passive-aggressive approach. You don't see them taking that approach with the Emmanuel Forbes and all of that. So that's my issue with Ron. It seems like they kind of pick and choose who they're going to discipline and how they're going to discipline him. Like I said, if that guy was causing an issue for all of these years – then where was the accountability? He's going to keep doing yeah. it. Or either, I mean, not even if you're so sick of him, you should have found some way to trade him before the injury or something. I mean, if, if it was that much of an issue, because you've been talking about this, you know, going after defensive rookie of the year. A long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, think that's a, I think that's a good point. Um, I think the counter to it, because I've, I've seen this as well, Um, I think the counter to it is, well, if you bench them, his trade value dips. Um, I don't, like, I think, you gotta you gotta rewind to like even the beginning of the year. Like, what was the goal for Ron? If if the goal for Ron was to prove himself to new ownership, like he's in a situation where he has to win, um, wouldn't you try to find the best people to get the job done? Right. In theory, that's what you would try to do. And you bench Emmanuel Forge because it seemed like he wasn't ready. But then you got a veteran in Chase Young. And honestly, like I think it's important to, to acknowledge like. If you actually really watching these games, it's not even just Chase that's doing this stuff. Like it's not just Chase. So like that's why I, like when I when I hear those conversations, um, and people just it only point to Chase. It's like bro, like like everybody is abandoning. Like Duran used to do it all the time. Like in twenty twenty one specifically, like that that was a huge issue. Like he would abandon his gaps. He would abandon his rush lanes just as much as Chase would. Um, and, and it is, and it's, it's 2021, it's, it's 2023 now it's happened still this year as well. And it wasn't just, um, wasn't just chase, but to that point, like, and what you're saying, uh, sure. Like if you want to preserve like trade value and your mind was made up before today, okay. That, that might be one thing, 
But at the end of the day, uh, you could have chose to trade him. I'm assuming you could have chose to bench him well before this week. Um, if you wanted to, if you really wanted to win. Um, and that's before Eugene got in, right? So like it, it could have been, it could have been several different avenues that you could have taken in terms of like showing that you are trying to hold yourself accountable, trying to hold people accountable, like instead of allowing somebody to do something like that. So I don't, I don't know, like politics are also unique in football because like that, that's what gets people on the field and, and keeps people on the field, depending on like how much money you done made or what draft status you didn't, what draft status you were. Right. Um, Emmanuel Forbes, again, is a little bit different. Um, while he was a first round pick, it's like he gets um, he gets more. Rec- it's more reckon about recognizable for him because like it's like a one on one situation every time downfield. And, and like you can't avoid that from a camera, <laughs> from a camera viewpoint or just from a coordinator's like, all right, well, we can't keep him out there. Even though we, we may want to, we can't do it. Um, Chase is a little bit different, bro. You can. Two Hill has been here for four years. Smith Williams has been here for four years. You can make that move, bro. So I, I think it's a solid point. And but and my thing was too, it wouldn't even have been a permanent thing, even if it was something like benching him a half. I mean, you see coaches do stuff like that all the time, but any way to kind of get your point across, and you know, to the point about it not just being chased, because you're right, it is all of them, but the problem is. You know, anonymous sources usually always point the finger at Chase. You know, I don't know why it was always Chase that they point the finger at. Maybe, the, you know, they were behind the scenes specifically saying Chase's name or whatever the case may be. But maybe they didn't like Chase's arrogance about it. But either way, there was a big disconnect with the coaching staff. And Chase, because you see yeah. how when Mont- Montez leaves, you don't see any other disparaging remarks about Montez. I mean, that only happened yeah. with Chase. You know, and this, that's been kind of how it's been going, you know, throughout both of their careers, even though Montez – when he came here, we we had more expectations for Montez. The expectations for Montez wasn't as monumental as Chase was because Montez wasn't the number two pick. But if you look at Montez's career and his physical stature and some of the things you heard about him coming out of Mississippi State, you yeah. kind of expected a little bit more out of Montez, you know, to this point, you know, career-wise, you know, as a whole. Like, I mean, I, Montez, in a sense, I, I thought he had, like, all-pro potential, you know, just looking at what he could do in college, you know, the speed, the size, you know, and the way he can get around guys. But he never really put up one of those type of seasons. I think his best season may have been 2020 that year. But other than that, you never really saw Montez have that true breakout. But you didn't get the same kind of disappointing remarks about Montez that they gave Chase. So there was clearly some kind of disconnect. But you wonder if they were kind of scared to bench Chase. I don't know if – uh Part of the disciplinary action happened because Snyder was still here. I mean, I don't know if Snyder was a chase guy. You know, Snyder was into those type of things. But either well, way, would, you just, bro. you know, you, you just never really saw them kind of discipline him. You only heard them kind of do the little sneak dissing, you know, behind the scenes about him, which I thought was really weird. Yeah, I don't disagree, man. Um, Altu says it took John Allen and Duran until their fifth year to put it together still. Um I think the good thing for John is like he was always consistent up until the point like where like he had a he had that breakout year and like his breakout year came the, the year he got paid um and it continued after that good for him um Deron yeah he he put it together his fifth year too I agree um anyway look we moving forward uh I think that uh we can kind of at least um put that on the back burner for now in terms of understanding like we do got the value for him um you know you wish you could have got a higher higher capital for 
Chase Young, but at the same time, this situation is that they're that they're in. Uh injuries, um value is a little bit different. So you are gonna get like a, a bottom of the barrel last second type deal. You gotta take whatever it is. Um, but in this press conference that Ron talked about, he mentioned Sam Howell several times. And I mentioned the thing that he said. Uh, let's see if I can find these words. He said uh, a few. I'm going to list a few quotes that he mentioned on Sam Howell. Granted, we know that it was a deflection. But at the end mm. of the day, this is what he said. And I'm going to read some things that Eric Bieniemy said as well. Following the day following, which is today, he spoke of this pressure. Um, so a couple things that Ron mentioned. He said uh, he's been trying to find and develop that consistency at the quarterback position with Sam. Uh, I think uh, I think that's a lot of things that we've had to deal with. If you can get back to that point and find your guy sooner, maybe things turn out differently. We've never got to that point. Um, I know that franchise has been looking for quite – I know this franchise has been looking for quite some time um, and the first time in a while. I think that that guy might be here. I mean, I really do. Uh, I, I just got done looking at a bunch of the analytics stuff for football – and they're all pointing in the right direction as far as where the quarterback is concerned. Uh, he also came to he also came to uh, say something else about saying where is it at? Where is it? Okay, he said. Well, I think again when you look at some things that happen towards in terms of growth and development, um, you look at what's going on at the quarterback position. We feel really good about who Sam is becoming for us. Uh, so again. Ron mentioned that he thinks that Washington has their franchise quarterback essentially. And then the next day, today, you get Eric Bieniemy speaking on um, uh, uh, Sam. And he says, you know what? I think Sam is right where he needs to be. He's making the necessary steps moving forward. We just got to find ways to make sure that we continue to take care of business so we can continue the improvement. Another thing that he said on Sam uh, in relation to uh, Bill Belichick's defense being a good test for Sam, uh, the said every week will be a huge test. But obviously when you're going up against Bill and the defense, there's always a challenge. Those guys are pretty good. They do a hell of a job. They're a well-coached staff. They got some good players. We got to go out and be on top of our game. More than anything, got to find a way to finish. Um, we got to find a way to make plays when we need and when we need it, and we got to find a way to finish. So I guess they just repeated it, what he said. Um, but my thing compared to my thing from the enemy compared to what Ron said is like, and, and it continues to kind of, for me, this isn't even comparing to Ron It's more so really solely about the enemy, like his, his pressers and his answers, while they're not necessarily detailed and like, you get a lot of like, uh, broader vagueness. Yeah. <laughs> like he's still uniform, like button up but he's not spinning you. It's more so like, I'm just not about to give you like specifics on anything. Right. But I also think the way he handled the, the Sam Howell question is probably more responsible than his head coach. And, and again, I'm not like, I'm past the point of talking about how Ron said it, but comparatively speaking, I think we know at this point that Sam isn't like a guaranteed anything yet. And and for Eric Benemy to acknowledge that as his offensive coordinator who's there with him all the time in terms of like from a tutelage, from preparing him, from making sure that he's prepared for game day, um, he sees a lot of good that Sam does. Just a week ago, 
he mentioned that Sam does some good things and he does some things. Excuse me, he's he's developing some areas and some areas that he hasn't developed in. So it's like he's aware of everything that's going on with Sam from from top down. And and I think that what I really appreciate from the enemy when it comes to the quarterback situation is knowing that like I don't want to bite too much of the apple. Like I want to make sure that like we understand and recognize the growth that he's taking. But I also don't want to make sure that I tell people or sell people a pipe dream. Uh, whether or not he may be the franchise quarterback is to be determined. He may very well be. But I don't want to be the person that goes out here and sells wolf tickets when we aren't winning football games. We need to win football games. We need to make sure that this offense is being is, is, is making winning plays. And then let's re, let's reevaluate the question in a few weeks if that if that turns out or maybe at the end of the season if that turns out. I really appreciate what, what Eric Bieniemy did, bro. So the difference between the two comments, and you're right. I mean, there was a big disparity between the two. But the difference is you got two people with two different agendas at this point. Ron Rivera is going one way. Eric Bieniemy is trying to go the other way. Eric Bieniemy is he's still trying to prove himself in his league. He knows right now he can't come out here and tell you, Sam, you know, he's arrived, you know, because he hasn't arrived. I mean, just a week ago, we were talking about Sam and Eric Bieniemy's offense scoring seven points. I mean, then they come out and then, you know, everyone's happy. And Eric Bieniemy made a, re- a really good comment. Like, I'm with you, Maul, in that he doesn't really give you a lot. A lot of times it's just coach speak on loop. But he said that the only thing we did against the Eagles last week was entertain people. <laughs> you know, we're not taking any small victories from this. We That's the only thing we did was entertain people. We didn't go out there. We didn't win. And then we didn't execute when we needed to execute. I mean, that's that's all you need to say after a game like that. I mean, he's right. But Ron Rivera, on the other hand, he has a different agenda. Ron Rivera knows his time is expiring. He He's already been where EB wants to go as far as having a head coaching job in this league. So Ron, at this point, he's looking at, everyone's going to look at my resume here in Washington and they're going to look and see that I made the postseason one year. And that was the first year in the year that I shouldn't have made the postseason. I won what said we won seven games and went to the postseason. After that, it's been just a very in the middle job and none of those seasons result resulted in the postseason. So he's going to look at this, say everyone's looking at me like a disappointment, but you're going to look at my tenure a lot differently. If Sam Howell is the guy, but the problem is after Ron leaves here, Sam Howe's not guaranteed anything. You know, I mean, obviously he has to still keep putting on great tape. He has to still put on good things because he's essentially auditioning for his next boss next year. You know, but, but let me add, that, let yeah, me add go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. like even with that point, I don't think you're wrong. But even to that point, the enemy ain't guaranteed nothing after Ron gets fired. And and that's where it's like, like, bro, like the enemy don't even care. Like he comes across like in a good way. The enemy don't yeah. even fear that his job may be on a line aligning himself with Ron uh Ron Rivera like he doesn't care like he's going to tell you how he feels but he's not going to give you what you want to hear he's going to give you what he feels like you need to hear right now and, and that's where it's like bro like Ron Ron may f- be feeling some type of pressure where he has to get that message out but you're talking about a person who was brought in here to fix the offense and he still ain't telling you that that while Sam Howell has had really good moments and we all have seen it um he still ain't telling you that this is the guy for this is the guy for Washington. And and just like something like that can can kind of elevate your voice in the media because it's like now they got now they're talking about Sam Howell again. And now the enemy is probably in a circle in terms of like people on ESPN breaking down the offense and like what went right and and how he's turned around the offense, even though this offense is still out. If I if I if I remember right, they're still like 
20 something in the NFL. I'm about to double check for a second here. 20th in the NFL on the dot. Um, like this is kind of how this thing works here. Like they, they they aren't doing too much just yet. So it's like for him, he's still in that situation, bro. And and shout out to, to the enemy for standing 10 toes on, on how you really feel. Yeah, no, and like I said, I, I like what B enemy did because he didn't sugarcoat anything. He didn't go out here and tell us a lie, but telling lies isn't beneficial to Eric Bieniemy at this point. The only thing that's beneficial to Eric Bieniemy at this point is putting out good tape, you know. And he's right. I mean, no, he he cannot go out here and say the same things that Ron said. You know, Eric Bieniemy's job at the end of the day is going to be about re- results production and what he's putting out there on tape. Ron doesn't necessarily care what they're putting out on tape at this point anymore because now you're looking at four years of Ron. You're only looking at. My, EB in a vacuum in a sense whereas Ron you look at him on a broader scale and you're talking about his tenure and so now Ron is like I gotta have something to latch on to which is why I keep thinking that he's putting Sam Howe's name out there in this light because even last year I mean if he he thought Sam was this franchise quarterback it took him a whole season until the last game of the season to realize that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he went through practices and everything and never once thought this guy was a franchise quarterback until Taylor Heineke had to convince him to play uh, Sam Howell instead of him. And now he's like, oh, man, we should play this guy earlier, you know. But now now he's latching on to that because I think this is his last saving graces of his career. And that's why he's trying to, like, emphasize this. And I think the point I was trying to get to is that, Sam isn't guaranteed to be here after this year, but I think Ron is kind of putting that word in. You know, hey, I'm I'm going to keep on putting this word out there, and it's going to stick, and someone's going to believe it. And now we can just, you know, we're, we're going to give Sam Howell a chance, and that gives that keeps Ron's name kind of looking good, you know, after he's gone. Whereas, like you said, Eric Bieniemy, he's not guaranteed anything after this year. You know what I'm saying? So Eric Bieniemy, he knows this is kind of do or die for him. So this one little Eagles game, you know, this doesn't make Sam a franchise quarterback. This one Eagles game is not guaranteeing Eric Bieniemy a job after this season. So he's still got more work to do, and that's why I like how Eric handled that. So Magic asked this, um, and I guess I asked everybody that's in the chat. Um, he asked, when do we know we have a franchise quarterback? What does a young quarterback have to do to prove slash show that he's a franchise quarterback? Um, y'all let us know in the comments what you all think about Magic's question. I'll leave it up there up here for a little bit. Um, but my thing is it's it starts with consistency. First and foremost, like you're you're not gonna have a great game every single week, but if you have five games and four of them are good right and then one of them is like mediocre or like subpar performance not even terrible right like you may have a terrible game but like if majority of them are good like that kind of shows already that somebody is grasping something but i'm just saying like five games is a small sample size but like extrapolate that out of like the 17 i think that's kind of where you see uh uh the makings of a franchise quarterback I think the issue with Sam right now in particular when we're talking about him is that this is a person who's had some up and down moments so far, right? Um, obviously, when you see his arm talent, the, the biggest thing with Sam is like, you know he has an arm, right? You know he can make a lot of good throws, like NFL throws that like a small percentage of starting quarterbacks can make. But that doesn't like all entail what a quarterback is for you, right? You got to make some winning plays. Excuse me. Some winning plays, and you got to make more than some. Like, you got to make the winning plays for your team. You got to show that leadership, right? I think he's doing that. 
um to an extent on offense like he leadership also shows with being able to get in and out of huddle and show like that control at the line of scrimmage like he doesn't look lost or anything on offense um and 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 also you got to just show some more um in terms of like taking over a game when you when your team really needs it uh and i think that's kind of what you know a, a franchise quarterback looks like and and to be clear that's not just one year that takes time like that's just not one year the only thing that you can guarantee right now for sam and i said this on twitter actually is that he's guaranteed these seven games i'm mean, excuse me uh, 17 games um but the story is not written on terms of like if he even earned a year or two yet right and i think that's the more important thing like patience is one thing but to answer your question directly magic everything that i said in my opinion is what makes a franchise quarterback uh with the the general one word thing is consistency everything that i said underneath that but that takes time it's not even just one year like that takes a long time you can see the traits early on for a person like russell wilson in 2012 like he wasn't the the 2016 russell wilson in 2012 where where russ was just dotting everybody up throwing for 300 400 yard games and winning games off off the back of his arm like solo dolo like he had a lot going for him in 2012 with a run game a good a really uh, an elite defense an all-time elite defense um and then you had a, a solid offensive line then so like those are the things where it's like it takes time to really see what a franchise quarterback looks like in my opinion Hey, I agree 100%. And I, I've, I've had this conversation for most of this week with a lot of people. Like uh, one guy told me, he said, Sam is QB number one until further notice. And I said, yeah, further notice is 2023. I mean, that's literally the only thing he's guaranteed. And that's fine. It is fine to want a at least a year, a year of judgment. Like that, a year, I think is a good sample size to say, hey, we can give this guy a little bit more. Or you can say, hey, he ain't it. Because the truth of the matter is, I mean, when you really look at Sam's collective season, as a whole, he's had 2.5 good games. I mean, two and a half good games. <laughs> so, you know, he, he had one good half in Denver and he had two really good Philly games. The rest of it has been kind of a mixed bag or it was just not good at all. So it's like now is the point in time and you want to see the consistency. Like I said, it's fine what he's put on tape so far. What he's put on tape so far is a young quarterback that kind of goes through the ups and downs, you know, but with Sam to kind of give you that confidence going forward to say, I want him to, you know, be the franchise guy or I'm going to give him another look with this next regime. Now you want to start to see the consistency because that's the one thing we haven't seen this season. We've seen Sam pop. We've seen Sam flash, but we haven't seen it happen consecutively. And that's fine. It's still, well, now we're halfway through the season pretty much, but now is the point in this season where you want to see Sam start to put those string together. Like he's still, he's still not going to have, you know, a perfect way through or he's not going to have great games all the way through, but you do want to see him be able to string the, string them together consistently because we just haven't seen that yet. AJ just checked in for those who are listening to the audio side. Um and obviously everybody watching AJ just checked in. So AJ was going on with you player um right now i mean well the question's up on the screen so i don't even have to ask well, it yeah, to I you mean, I, I, i've been listening to it i mean i think uh when it comes down to a franchise quarterback like those that have that title and that are currently within the league and i think it's pretty much unanimous who we believe are franchise quarterbacks those teams over the years have won in spite of in spite of having a perfect offensive line in spite of having elite wide receivers tight ends or running backs, like they've been able to, you know, put together consistent performances and help elevate their team and, and lead their team to victories. 
Um, unfortunately, Sam is not in that position yet. Like Maul said, he has the rest of the season. If he can stay healthy, um, I, I think that a lot of people uh, will take Sunday and just run with it. Um, that, that's cool if you do it, but we also got to understand that every defense that Sam is going to face or, or, or whatever for the rest of the years is different than how the Eagles operate. Uh, you know, one team is going to play a little bit more chill, let they front four, uh, try to get home, and other teams are going to be more aggressive. Other teams are going to disguise a lot of looks and coverages. So you just want that quarterback to be um, – you just want that quarterback to be versatile and in, in being able to face those type of defenses and understanding the different nuances that they have to do pre-snap and post-snap. And I just don't think that Sam is there in, in that situation. Um, but that's ideally what you would want your franchise quarterback to be is someone that can win in spite of. And I think Eric Bieniemy tells you a lot in his pressers. Um, and I think we should more so believe what he says than Ron Rivera says, as you guys stated, you know, EB is not going to, he's not going to, like the old folks would say, he's not going to bull jive you. He's going to give it to you, <laughs> cut raw and real. Whereas like with Ron, he plays these little games or whatever with, with what he says. And EB has alluded to the fact that, you know, there's a lot of things that Sam can still work on. I just have to keep remembering this is Sam's first time kind of doing these things uh, or whatever. But, you know, EB also has worked with possibly who we've seen as the greatest quarterback of all time, Patrick Mahomes, his whole career. So it's kind of hard to see that guy playing quarterback, win Super Bowls with that individual and come out there and just say, oh, yeah, I think we found that guy. <laughs> You know, that that's a that's a big drop off. It's like having Michael Jordan on your team and then you come upon drafting, I don't know, who who they thought was baby Jordan, uh Dre Harold Minor. Harold Minor, yes. <laughs> yeah, you, and you see him play a couple games and you're like, oh yeah, we think he he got it, he's up next. It's it's kind of hard for E B to jump out there and say something wild, like Ron would say. Um, but of course, you know, everyone's using the analytics to point to certain things, uh, if that's the argument that they want to make, but, you know, EB's in a situation where he can't really, in my opinion, he can't really lose. Um, of course the goal is for him to be head coach, but he's going to try to do whatever he can to, to make Sam Howe look the best and put him in the proper situations. If anything, Sam Howe resulting to success or, even from a statistical standpoint, makes EB look even greater than it could ever make Ron Rivera look in his championship in Washington. Hold up, but AJ, why why do you think EB is in a spot where he can't lose? I I think he has a lot to lose. I thought this was a gamble for him. I mean, the reason why I say that is EB's been coaching for so damn long. He's interviewed for over – he's interviewed at least 16 times. I don't know how many teams over the 16 off the top of my head, but he's interviewed – back-to-back times every year he's a hot candidate he probably also realized in his mind i may never really get a fair shot at being a head coach my best opportunity is here with a possible change of ownership and if it don't happen cool least i least i did it you know <laughs> I, I got the job titles that i wanted uh i'm also getting the money that comes with those job titles and if it don't pan out in Washington, I can always go back to my relationships 
that matter the most, which is with Andy Reid in Kansas City, and be right back in contention of winning Super Bowls and, and being around the greatest quarterback of all time. That's why I feel like you can't necessarily lose. Like, if you've been bypassed that many times, can you really lose at this point? He could have went anywhere. He decided to come here. And that's where it's interesting for me. And I, I posed this question, I think, even to y'all in the chat previously. It's like, if people are championing Sam Howell to, to possibly be the franchise quarterback or that guy, how doesn't EB get more credit within just the fan base, right? But if we think that the organization is thinking that way of Sam Howell, wouldn't that push EB up the charts even more to be a head coaching candidate, working with, with, with nothing? I mean, I think it has to finish. I think he has to, you know, have this consistency. I think he has to have more Eagles type of games because, again, like I said, a week ago we're talking about EB in the office putting up seven points. Now we're talking about, oh, look, Sam Howell's a franchise quarterback because he just played good against the Eagles again. Now, I agree. If Sam is going to keep putting out these, you know, games where he's having people think that he's a franchise quarterback, you 100% have to have EB with him because EB at this point is tied to Sam. So any success Sam has throughout the rest of the season, you're going to attribute that to EB. But if Sam, you know, goes out there and he sputters and he's not putting out good performances, that's coming back to EB. And I think that's where he's possibly in a loser situation because, yeah, he may can go back to Andy Reid, but he might not be able to go back to Andy Reid as an offensive coordinator. And in a sense, I felt like the Chiefs kind of pushed him out there because they wanted Matt Nagy to be the play caller or whatever the case may be. But EB is not there anymore. He could probably go back. But, again, I don't think he can go back as an OC if he doesn't succeed going throughout the rest of the year. So I do think there's some stakes at hand for him. Yeah, I mean, I think it just really boils down to what happens with this organization. Because me personally, I think Ben Johnson, like, for example, he's one of the hot head coaching names that we keep seeing sputtering around with any team that's possibly going to be firing their head coach or like the Raiders did, fire their coach at 1 a.m. <laughs> like, I was wide awake and got an ESPN alert. <laughs> I woke up to it. At 1 a.m., like, they fired their coach. Like, I think EB is a better play caller. And if you look at the situations, it's it's day and night. Like, EB has already had success in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes, no matter how many people want to discredit that. But you even take his situation in Washington, working with a fifth-round quarterback that hasn't played in a pro-style offense ever before, also a makeshift offensive line, and really no weapons that you really fear. And if he's able to help Sam Howe in that in that limited time of not even a full year working together, succeed to a point where an organization can see can see or say that we have something here to to build upon or build around, how could that person not be elevated to head coach and provided the continuity of you know having Sam Howe being that quarterback and everyone else being in the same offensive system in a sense? for a following year. Like that, that's just how I look at it. I mean, I'm not vouching for EB to be head coach or anything. I think he would be a great leader of an organization, but if people think and pose the question of hat or Ron Rivera is out here saying that Sam Howe is possibly that guy, or we think we found our guy, then I think you also found your offensive coordinator and your head coach in EB. I, I know you. I want to acknowledge that. I know you said you're not vouching for him. So I think 
I guess I'll be playing devil's advocate. I think the the logistics of it, and and it's crazy because I like I I've been trying to see like ways to make it work because they're even talking about it in the chat, right? They're saying, um, let's kind of see if I can scroll up. Um, who was it? Uh, one said, you know, he won't be our new head coach. That won't happen. Um, and then G said that they choose to keep Sam, he will be the head coach. Uh, there's and then Al too. Sorry, he said I'm ready for EB to be the interim head coach right now. Uh, I think there are several ways where you look at this and say, how does this benefit being in me in the long run? Meaning long run with Washington. Like I, I, I remember this article. Granted, I didn't read it, but I, I kind of knew it already because it just made all the sense in the world. Um, I remember this article. Like matter of fact, let's think real live examples right now. Remember the year Hugh Jackson got fired? Um, I think Jim Bob Cooter got elevated to head coach, interim head coach, in absence of, um, or maybe it was Greg Williams. That's who it was. It was Greg Williams that got elevated to head coach, interim head coach, uh, in the absence of Hugh Jackson, right? And, you know, they have a solid, sneaky little season with, with Greg Williams. And Greg is thinking like, hey, man, I'm about to get the head coaching job, right? And they they go on, they they let him go, hire Jim Bob Cooter, and them boys suck, right? Um, that's the most recent example at the top of my head. There's also other um interim situations out there where um interims had looked good, but they weren't hired as head coach, right? Uh, but I also think like my main thing is when you don't hire these interim head coaches or excuse me, when you consider them, right? Like how much are you like limiting the pool because you've seen what one person can do in a small sample size with a, 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 a beaten up team that's just looking to, to finish strong, right? Does that, that does, does that muddy your analysis from a, a decision-making standpoint? Not talking about us. Uh, well, actually technically us too, because we may like people may fall in love with, a, a, a head coach, interim head coach in Washington who finishes four and one after Ron gets fired, right? But like, I think you may end up limiting so much because like that interim head coach did such a good job from a coming off a head coach who like clearly, if he gets fired in the middle of the season, clearly just sucked for four years, three and a half years, and somebody else did a decent job. I, I, you may be limiting your pool. And and, and I think from a, a macro standpoint, I don't remember seeing in recent history any interim head coach who really had like long-term, long-term success with whoever hired them after he did a decent job uh, as interim head coach, let alone even be hired as head coach. So I think that's kind of like, that's the that's the pitfall that I'm I'm working through in my head right now. It's like, what is the long run for, for being to me now? Like he tied himself to Washington, a lame duck head coach and Ron Rivera essentially. And, and now it's like, how does this work? Like, do you even, do you give him a one-year deal and, and be like, all right, I'm going to see what you do. But even at that point, you may mess around and miss your window to hire whoever you wanted to hire. But I so mean, that's kind of, that's, that's where my head is at right now. I, I think timing is everything. Like, cause EB signed a two-year deal. So Coming here, he knew exactly the risk that he was getting into. You feel me? It wasn't necessary to say, oh. Freddie Kitchens. I'm, 
hey, my Al too appreciate you. I, I was saying Jim Pop Yeah, it's Freddie Kitchens, bro. But you know what I meant. Uh Freddie Kitchens, but even like Al too said, Bruce Arians, Dan Campbell, they all had head coaching, uh interim head coaching opportunities that ended up parlaying into uh actual head coaching opportunities, whether it be with that organization or another organization. Dan Campbell ran Miami Dolphins during the time of I can't remember who got fired. Uh, might have been Adam Gase. But also, we don't know who if, – if EB doesn't get the head coach job here, we also don't know who the GM and who that head coach could be. They could say, hey, we'll keep you in the fold as OC and renew your contract for two, three more years because you still got one one year remaining. I know. I think we, that's a really – I think also, that's a really good – that's a really good point, AJ. We also really don't good. know the play. We I don't know anything that's going on, bro. Like, I'm not even trying to – get sources none of that but something's been cooking dog something's been brewing like even even the trade that took place i'm not believing that conversation started 10 days before i'm believing that happened months ago maybe before they even became official the eugene sheen dude is not going to be the gm but all these different things are going to align eventually when we connect the dots at the end of the year whenever they hire the new gm and head coach whoever that is it's all going to align with one another. And EB could have been a play from the jump. Not necessarily to say head coach, but to build that continuity within the offensive scheme. I mean, if you look around the NFL landscape, there's not really that many hot hot names head coaching-wise that you could possibly lure from another organization. Last year, uh, Ben Johnson was one of the leading guys of the coaching pool. And what did he decide to do? Go back to Detroit. Out of all the jobs that were available, he decided to go back to Detroit. I don't know if this year the team pool is going to be or talent pool of those organizations are going to be any better than the jobs that he bypassed last year, right? You got EB. You now got Mike McDonald, 36-year-old defensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens, getting some, some buzz. But outside of that, you might be trying to hire some retreads. Like... <laughs> So I really don't know. I don't have an idea like what Josh Harris is going to do. I can't even, or I don't, me personally, I don't want to focus on what he's done with NBA team. I don't pay attention to NHL too much, but in NBA standards, he's pretty much went to guys that have been seasoned uh, in the league for a long time, whether it be as an assistant or as a head coach for those opportunities of running his organization. So, but, I really don't know, but I, I I just feel like if you if you think that Sam Howe is potentially that guy, how could the person that's putting him in these positions? Yeah, we may not agree with how many times he had to pass the ball, whatever. But we also got to understand, Ev did not pick this roster. He he might not even really have that much say so within the personnel that's even going on now. I think a lot of us try to tie Wally to him, of course, because they was in Kansas City together. But that's also a bargain play for Ron, and they could lean on the fact that, oh, let's make this bargain move at right tackle, but he also brings versatility at guard, and he also knows EB's system, and EB automatically gets looped into the fact that, oh, that's EB's decision to bring him in at right tackle. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you got to assume that he probably has some influence on that because, you know, 
from everything we know around and them, I mean, this is some stuff that I've heard. They used to run personnel decisions by um, Scott Turner last year. Well, not even just last year, but when, when Scott Turner was here, they ran a lot of, you know, questions by him and asked him his input on certain guys. I know that for sure. You know, I think Antonio Gibson, Scott Turner may have had a hand in that. Just like with EB, I do believe that, you know, he's had a hand in, I don't know if he's like, you know, the last guy to say, oh, well, I want him or I don't want him. But I do think he can probably say, hey, I think that guy is pretty decent. Yeah, you should bring him in. I, that conversation probably happened with Wiley. Um, we we did hear from multiple people that Chris Rodriguez was his guy in the draft. Like, he loved Chris Rodriguez. And then, you know, you have Pringle, and then we had another guy, Marcus Kemp, that we had brought in for a camp body. So, I mean, they may have they may listen to him on a small scale, but I do believe that, you know, the connections that he has to at least those Chiefs players, I think those are valid. I mean, I do think they'll listen to his input because they've listened to Scott Turner before. I'm about to change the subject. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I really don't know. That's why I think I, I keep saying, like, the most intriguing part for me for the rest of this year is who are they going to start interview uh, interviewing for GM jobs? Like, I think that, that shit, we're in the month of November, so the rumors of that start picking up by next month. Like, we'll start to get a better idea because uh, I'm not really sure if they'll move on from Ron end season and let EB kind of run the show. Either way, it's like <laughs> I think is everything is up uh, up in the air on the table. That's how I feel with this organization right now. Even we we don't want to believe the Bill Belichick thing, but who who's to say that there might not be validity behind that? We, we nobody really knows. Like I know that shit ain't happening. It better not happen. Shit. I mean, it better, better be not. Red, 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 we really we really don't know. Like. Hey, AJ. Hey. AJ. Hey, that shit, that shit ain't happening, bro. Ain't, I mean, I pray it's going to happen because I, I think that that will ultimately. Your prayers will be answered. It's not it, happening. It'll, it'll change. It'll change everything for this organization, not from a good standpoint, but from a bad standpoint. Like I've had clients that played under Bill Belichick and it was not a great atmosphere for them. And if you lose it, it's even worse. Well, well I, I would just say keep an eye out. He ain't going to be here. <laughs> yeah, and keep an eye out on the San Francisco front office. I think there's two names that's been floated out there that could possibly be guys that Josh Harris links to for the GM job after the season. Hey, um, he already got one. He got Mayhew. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Mayhew kind of tagged along with that. Group, first now, so at the 49ers. <laughs> So yeah, they're, they're talking about that cat Adam Peters, I think, and this and the other guy. I can't think yeah, of this. Adam, yeah. Adam ain't leaving San Fran. Like uh, he ain't well, leaving that job. But it, it'll be interesting, man. It, like, even if you look in the chat, like the names of people even throwing out there, you see Todd Monk and Shane Waldron. Like, dog, these these ain't good, these ain't good head coach <laughs> guys. Like Maybe they do well within their system, but head coach, you got to coach the entire team. People got to respect you. Who better to, you know, not give a, a great look at but EB? He's kind of – that's the whole point of him asking for the assistant head coaching job. Um. All right, so let's go ahead and, and transition to this damn game. Um, You know what's crazy, bro? I've been looking at the, the stats for the commander season this – so far, bro, um, just had had the page up, bro. Sam Howell is second on the team in rushing. He has 130 rushing yards on the season. 
Um, and Antonio Gibson has 90. Uh, and he has four less carries, <laughs> four less carries than Sam Howell. Um, but I don't know, random stat. I'm just looking at it. Uh, but anyway, they run the ball. They barely run it to Brian yeah. Robinson. So, you know, damn yeah, well, he's he not giving it to the backup. <laughs> yeah, B-Raw got 95, 95. Uh, he got 95 carries on the season. I'm glad they got the average out. 12, 12 carries a game, basically, uh, for, for B-Rob. Um, crazy, yeah, but um, so so we know K.J. Henry from Jack Del Rio's words is probably going to start seeing some time now. I'm probably sure we're going to start seeing some uh, Andre Jones as well. Um, to what degree and what what amount of time we'll see from all of them, we don't know. Obviously, we know Casey Tuhill just got a promotion in a sense. Um, James Smith Williams is probably going to see a lot of uh, a lot more time as well, um, given that Montez is gone too. So um, I, I, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out defensively. I think it's a good opportunity for these for this defense because you're talking about a, a Patriots offense who. Uh, frankly just isn't it isn't what it used to be it's underwhelming um you'll be you'll be challenged because it's bill belichick by default but at the same time like it's not like a difficult a difficult opponent like they're not a i wouldn't say very complex in a sense right like they have um the tight ends that they like to use um and then uh i think gaseki and i forgot the other dude maybe he left too um anyway poor preparation by me anyway but i know gaseki's around um and and really honestly like there you had juju for a little bit and i don't know what's going on with juju and uh it's just a, it's just a weird little offense now on that side of the ball but anyway from an overall macro thing because we don't have to go a deep dive into it it's I, we kind of know what this season's here for right it's, it's for sam how can sam how bounce back and, and or excuse me not bounce back but can he stack consecutive games good consecutive games on top of each other um and i think that's probably going to be uh, the biggest question mark heading into the game. Um, I think he has a good opportunity. Um, I, I think that uh, they they found a they potentially found a formula up, up front that can allow the enemy to operate his offense. Uh, but now it's all about how Sam Howe is able to process everything from a pre snap standpoint. Given that he already acknowledged how the Patriots love to confuse people with their disguises and stuff, so um, I think that's kind of the. the the theme for for this this Sunday is can Sam Howe stack Sam and Eric can they stack good games on top of each other? I think that's gonna be a that's gonna be a big uh, that's gonna be the, the biggest storyline in my opinion. So you you and Dre are are gambling men, right? This matchup in particular, if I gave you three hundred dollars to take the money line, would you take Washington or would you take New England on Sunday? I'm taking New England. I probably take. I probably take. I mean, it's it's a three point, three point, three hundred dollars. You you gave me the three hundred, right? <laughs> Free money. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't my money, right? But look though, the reason why I said it like that though, I would put it on watch them because it's like. As a gambling person, like three points is only just for the home. It's just for the home no, field. He, he said money line. He didn't he say the points. Line. But no, yeah, but what I'm yeah, yeah, but what I'm saying is that the spread indicates that they only have that they only right. are favorited because they're at home. So it's like in theory, I would bet the money line on Washington because it's like I I can't pass that up. I, I feel like I feel like the books know it's probably going to be a close game. 
It's probably going to be a close see, game. You, you know why I say the Patriots? And the only reason I say that because I feel like after they had the performance. Hunter Henry, what's up with me, bro? I said Gusecki. So is it, it's, it's Gusecki and Hunter. I think I'm not tripping. I think both yeah, of them. Yeah, they, they, go they got Hunter uh, and uh, Gasecki. They signed up for Miami in the offseason. Right. But, but yeah. no, so for me, the only reason I would say that is because of the performance they had against the Eagles. I mean, I just feel like watching this team for years, and I hate even going over the watching them for years part, but they have these letdown games. You know, everyone's happy and everyone feels good. Even though they lost to the Eagles, people are feeling good right now. Oh, man, you know, the offense looks good. Now the offense should definitely go out there and do something against the Patriots. It's just right for the picking. So if you're telling me to bet money on the game, I'm betting on the Patriots. I'm rooting for us, but I'm betting on the Patriots just because of history, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I think – I think this weekend you probably see Washington have his highest rushing attempts that they've had all season. Um, I don't, I don't trust Sam Howell going against <laughs> Bill Belichick's defensive scheme at all. Um, but you know, I definitely don't have Washington winning. Oh, hey, you trust EB though, right? So EB can get him right trust, for this game. I trust, I trust EB, but at the end of the day, he can't line up and play quarterback. And <laughs> like the numbers, the numbers that the numbers say everything about Bill Belichick being successful against young quarterbacks. Um, yeah, twenty-two no, and six. Uh, like I think I, twenty-two and six at the start of the season. So I don't know who the young guys he played this year, but yeah. And I mean, we just seen what they did to the Buffalo Bills. Um, they they pretty much kept Josh Allen in pocket. Um, yeah, I just can't really see it. I don't expect the Patriots' offense to to go off by any means. They really don't have any threats, no weapons. But as far as Washington's offense against that defense, <clears throat> I think it's even hard to game plan against. Excuse me, it's hard to game plan against the Patriots because they pretty much play their defense based on whoever they're going against. You could look at some things, but. They don't necessarily just have one particular scheme that they're going to stick within. They're going to adjust to whoever they're playing. And I think we all know what Sam Howell's issues tend, tend to be. And they, they have some good guys within that secondary that can, that can definitely play the middle of the field well. And uh, Jabril Peppers, uh, Kyle Duggar, and um, other guys that can assist them. So it'll be interesting, but – I'll be the first one to say if Sam Howell plays well Sunday against Bill Belichick's uh, defensive scheme, I'll come on here and give kudos. Man, I might even I might even buy somebody a Sam Howell jersey if he if he succeeds well. Uh, well, what is that defined as? Because like, what is what is succeed well, well for you? Definitely not a w, I want to I want to make sure if you if you say that on these airs, bro, on these on yeah, these airways, I'll, I'll set the parameters. You'll have to throw for more than three hundred ten yards and uh -huh. have two have over two uh, passing touchdowns and no interceptions. So no, no like dying, two bro. passing touchdowns or like two total <laughs> more than two total touchdowns. Just two all, passing, but it touchdowns. passing touchdowns. Okay. Yeah, two passing three, touchdowns. Three ten, two passing touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah. Hey, they're gonna hold okay. you to it, AJ. And, and this chat got me dying laughing. They said, said time stamp that we are at an hour <laughs> and eight. How do I they said we I can do things with this? How do I how do I capture the moment? They said I can do that. I'm gonna do it. Oh well. Oh yeah, timestamp it. 
I'm I'm cool with yeah, it. I'm trying to figure out how to timestamp this thing. Oh, know, create a marker. You know, oh, B. Actually, I can hit so, B. <laughs> I, I actually predict I actually predict that Sam Howell throw for like probably like two two sixty-five and have two to three interceptions. <laughs> okay, so if you predict that, but if he has but but what if he has under 300 but has but has two or three four touchdowns, touchdowns yeah. four touchdowns in, in one turnover? And they win. Oh. And they win, my bad. What does that mean? I watch no, I'm asking you. <laughs> How do you it's, 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 it's boom or bust? It's it is either it has to be three, ten or more, <laughs> two passing touchdowns and no interceptions. So let's all right. So let's let's make it let's make it let's make it even. Let's let's do three hundred over three hundred. Well, let and, me let me let me be and, like Mad Dog Russo and be like, I'll I'll quit trap and dive. <laughs> nah, I won't want hey, you to man. do that. Man. I'm just playing. Hey, I'm about to say you you put that <laughs> out there, they're gonna be on your ass even more, bro. <laughs> all right, no, nah, you I, good. I, I, I buy somebody a Sam Howell jersey if if he can accomplish that feat. Now, okay, AJ, so let's go ahead and um, terms, hey, Maul, Maul, in betting terms, see, like PC just put it in there. We have to say 299.5 plus. That should be fine, right, AJ? That's, that's 300. Not now, 10. Why not be the extra 10? Give me, give me 305 plus. Bro, we bargaining. That's crazy. <laughs> we'll take 305 plus then. Right. What does Sam get 306? Plus, no picks. <laughs> Sam will get 306, bro. All right, hey, bro, hey, we we ain't got too much to talk about with this game, man. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and do our predictions. Um, I I think for me, uh, I would have bet the money line for Washington. Um, I I do see this being a difficult game, but I don't see this being a difficult game in in terms of like our recent matchups with New England. Um, I can I can see uh Washington keeping this close with a chance to win in the fourth quarter with a, a real opportunity to win late in the fourth quarter. I'll say um, they lose 24-21. Um, New England wins 24-21, I guess. Um, and I guess the MVP, Lord Jesus. I'm, who's that? Who's the guy right there? Matt Judon. I'll say Matt Judon, man. Matt, Matt uh, Judon ain't even playing. He hurt. He hurt? Yeah. He out on IR? Yeah, he on IR. Oh, that! Now nah, he been he been, out, he been out like the last three weeks. You're absolutely right. I'm. It's crazy. I'm looking at him right now. He has been gone for like the last six games. <laughs> All right, bro. Hey, I don't even know who the MVP is, man. Just I, say, just say, Josh. Four twenty one. I'm done. Josh Uche, because nah, that means the pass rush is gonna win. Josh Uche, he can. He can okay, pass Uche him. then. Uche takes over. So, all right, I'll go then. Um. You know, I know AJ asked us what will we bet or what will we do if someone told us to bet. I say the Patriots. But because I'm not betting on this game, I'm going to say the Commanders are going to win 17-14 in an ugly game. Brian Robinson, the MVP. <laughs> hey, Dre using his Dre using his uh, free bet fan dude promo. Yeah, that's what, hey, if it's a free bet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm doing a free bet. I roll with us, but if it's money, nah, I'm not rolling with us. <laughs> nah, um, yeah, I got the Patriots winning. I think I'm gonna go 24 as well. I think it would be 24 13. But I ain't that good, bro. You think they that good, bro? <laughs> no, they're not, they're not good. Every I think every team matches up 
differently. And I just feel like when you have a young, inexperienced quarterback of this nature, it's hard to get productive offensive input um, from, from that side of the ball. Like, I have no clue. I don't even like Mac Jones. I hate watching him play. I hated watching him play at Alabama, too. So uh, that offense is just egregious. You feel me? But, you know, who who knows what they could do? At the end of the day, I know they're going to play solid damn defense. That's what I do know. And okay. if Sam is out there not making reads, they could, they could have a couple defensive touchdowns alone that will put them in great position to win or shorten the field, and they at least get a field goal. I feel like um, we're closing out now, but I feel like the people who who earned the the jersey are the people that was in the show tonight. Right? Am I wrong, or should we, or should we like actually make this like a? Okay. I mean, yeah, we I could agree. do a little, we could do a little raffle or whatever. Let Let's That's see. What I was we, thinking. Let's Let's see if we even get there. Actually, four thirty p.m. Eastern Time Sunday, whatever the day is going to be. I actually know <laughs> you're um, not going to get there, so I feel. <laughs> I feel pretty damn good. <laughs> hey, all right. So I about to say, I know we actually not. Nah, I know what we can do. We can. Um, I got this little site that does the raffles. I could just make the certain people, the people that's in here. I can make them priorities. Um, as opposed to like the random people. So, um, we'll we'll have it all sorted out. And, and if it does happen, you gotta wear it Thanksgiving Thursday when Washington plays the Dallas Cowboys around your family, <laughs> or even if you by yourself. You got something yeah, to pitch in. Absolutely not. What, what, you, what you think they're gonna be embarrassed? <laughs> I thought he thought they was gonna, gonna be embarrassed. Yeah. Went, I, I, I know they're gonna get a lot of shit talking <laughs> and they got a Howl jersey on that Thanksgiving table. <laughs> hey, that's it, man. That's gonna wrap it up for the game, bro. We be back Sunday post game, man. Either either AJ gonna have egg on his face or he gonna be he gonna have that camera on smiling, laughing at everybody, bro. But um, we're going to find out Sunday, 4.30, man. We back up in here, man. So y'all take it easy. Enjoy y'all weekend, man. We out here. Peace. Damn, set, huh. Watch him throw the ball. We're going to pick it off. You're going to let him hit the hole or you're going to cut it off. You're going to play through fourth and long or you're going to punt it off. Your defenders have you hit us. Put your pads in. Don't be looking for the ref to throw no flags in. Keep the helmet on. Keep the cleats tight. You the type to want to win by any means, right? You should look alive. This is Trap and Dive.